Welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Month. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we are talking Holmes and Watson. Holmes and Watson. This is this is an interesting discussion we're going to have, I think. Yeah. Uh, just so everybody knows, a little behind the scenes peek, if you will. <laughs> um, we are recording this on Christmas Day. Right after we, right after we saw and recorded Vice. Yes. So new week for you, same day for us. Yes, we're 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 putting one in the bank, so to speak. But moreover, this is going to the movies is a Christmas tradition for us, mm-hmm. and um, so we saw a heavy movie and a funny movie, and or that was the intention at least. That was the intention <laughs> at least. And more importantly, we are celebrating a day of family and joy and happiness with you. So cheers to you, our listeners. Um, The drink of the podcast is champagne. Champagne. Yeah, purely just because it's Christmas and we're home, it's night, it's cold outside, it's warm in here, and we're enjoying a nice glass of champagne while we talk this movie. Yes, and there's no puppy of the podcast yet right you got enough of them you got in the vice episode plenty of dog of the episode so now this is just old hat to them and like no i'm staying upstairs yeah that's nicer upstairs yeah um so hello and welcome to this week um so john c Riley and will ferrell are back at it and weirdly enough so we've today we saw vice and homies Holmes and Watson. Yeah, I saw that on the poster, and to me, it's that's the name of the. Do movie. you think it would have been funnier if they would have just kept the, the title Homies? Yes, yeah, I think so too. Um, and both are Gary Sanchez pr- productions. Both mm-hmm. are produced by Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. So, I mean, what amazing geniuses! We we kind of saw today. We kind of saw companion pieces to each other. I wouldn't uh, say that. Well, but I will support you. Well, so. I almost decided to release these in one day mm. uh, as companion pieces. A, they're companion pieces because they do have a lot of the same, uh, you know, like production crew behind them. Right. Uh, or at least as far as producers. I don't know if like the actual crew is the same or not. I don't think so. Um, I don't remember the stunt coordinators, but like the stunt coordinators different. This was filmed yeah. in London. Right. And the, and the Vice movie was filmed here in America. But... I almost released them in the same day to be like, you know, you know, we went and saw the Dick Cheney movie and followed it up with what we all thought Adam McKay would still be making nowadays. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, which I can totally see. Um, and I, I, I'm a huge fan of Will Ferrell. Um, mm-hmm. There's not much that he does that I am not a huge fan of. And I've, I've met Will Ferrell, not that he knows my name by any stretch, <laughs> But he's a delightful human being. Um, I went to the same university as John C. Riley, and he and came and Lauren talked. Lapkus, who's in this movie as well. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but she never talked at school. Are we? She she's, she's a she was a few years behind you, like three years behind you, or something like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then, but I, I'm I didn't I don't I didn't know her. John C. Riley came and like talked one afternoon. So, mm-hmm. um. 
So this to me was, I was, ex- I was really excited to see it. You know, it's been a minute since Talladega Nights. It's been a minute. Uh, so, the last one I can remember them doing together that was like their thing that they were doing together was Step Brothers. I like Step Brothers. It's so stupid. Step Brothers to me, it's almost like performance art. <laughs> <laughs> because it is, it is the perfect blend of low art and high art. Like it is so low that it almost transcends low art and turns into high art. You heard it here first here, folks. That's right. My, I just finished my first year at college. My professors really opened my eyes. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've done Drink of the Podcast. There's no current dog of the podcast, which I'm stunned. We'll but let you know if that changes. Yes, but there are new, They, you know, it's Christmas still. Um, back in time here. <sighs> and uh, they've got new baby baby toys, um, which have already been defluffed. Um, yeah, but that, that was a good five minutes. Yes. Uh, there's actually a, f- there's a full toy right now. Really? Mm-hmm. He has no ears, but... <laughs> oh, so that was Charlie's. Yes. Yeah. Madison will destroy it as fast as possible, and Charlie will take it apart piece by piece. Yes. So I think that Charlie is a serial killer, and Madison is just like, you know, I'm going to destroy this thing. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so next thing, how are we going to rate this movie? Uh, Deerstalker caps or pipes? Hmm. I was going to say cake. We'll do, let's do cake because I think we both kind of want some cake. I want some cake. Yeah. After seeing this movie, I want cake. And I have terrible news for everybody. I've just learned recently that I have a gluten intolerance. Well, it's gluten, wheat, bakers, and brewers yeast. So this has been a very interesting Christmas. It's going to make drinks of the podcast interesting from the future. Right. And sometimes he'll drink the full drink of the podcast and I will have the... Uh, so if you have requests for for those of you who might also suffer from what I suffer from, uh, let me know um, because right now we just keep it the drink at the podcast and I drink something different that won't make me very sick. Um, so if we have any requests for that, holla at us, let us know. Um, so we're going to rate this in cake. You go first, sir. Uh, I went first for vice, so you go first. Oh, I'm going to give it a one and a half. Wow, that's lower than the Predator and the Nun. Oh no. no! No, it might be on the same level as the Nun. I think you gave Predator two. Did I? Yeah. Well, at least the Predator had good good action. Yeah. Okay, so it might. Okay. Oh, heavens to Betsy, we don't we don't judge them next to each other. You've made yeah. me question my piece of cake. So. Can I, should I rate mine and give my opinion and see if you still want to stick well, with the one and a half? Here's or? what I'll say. All right. I'll, the highest I will give it is a two. All right. Everyone. <laughs> I fell asleep. Yes, she did. I fell asleep. To me, this movie was bland, and I'm not sure what the story was. And as one of my acting teachers said, Damien Kylie, who are you talking to? What are you fighting for? And I had no clue what they were fighting for other than Holmes, no, Watson begging for the affection of Holmes. And I just wasn't there. It didn't go bananas like I hoped it would. And I accidentally took a nap. And the last movie I took a nap in was The Hobbit. Yep. And I inadvertently 
fell asleep. And I don't recall, again, big, full movie theater, and we went to a different theater, full movie theater. I don't remember the whole theater laughing at any given time. The whole theater did not laugh together. There were sporadic laughs throughout the movie. And this was a traditionally comic movie. Yeah. And that should not happen. So I might keep it... I'll be generous. I'll give it 1.75. Mm-hmm. But also, this is kind of a Man of Steel thing. I know what these this team can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did the giant battle in Anchorman 2, and that's one of my least favorites. And it, that's one of the most amazing, well, fun things I've seen in well, like, a long, long time. Here's the thing. For like Anchorman 2, for example, uh, it isn't one of my favorite like Will Ferrell movies. Mm-hmm. But the parts that are high in that movie are so high. Right. And, and this, this one didn't have any parts that were just really high. No, it had some really good moments. Like to, it, it started strong. Oh, it did. But, and we'll continue to talk about it. Yeah. I want to hear your rating. So my rating, I'm going to give it, I'll say two and a quarter. Ooh, significantly higher, sir. Yeah, well, I caught one more joke that you didn't, that I had to fill you in on on the way home. Right, but again, I still think you told it funnier than it was probably presented in the movie. Quite possibly. Um, So here's the thing. It started off real strong. You know know how a lot of Will Ferrell movies start off with a quote? You know, this one started off with, I can't remember what the quote was, but it was like, uh, it was quite powerful. It's like it might have been like an actual Sherlock Holmes quote, but they attributed it to Hannah Montana season <laughs> two, episode four, which is just a good joke, you and, know. Okay, and I do. T- I retract a statement. I retract a statement. Mm-hmm. The whole theater laughed. The whole theater did laugh at that. Yes. Um, <clears throat> which, real quick, no, you continue, and then I'll remember my real quick. Yes. Continue. Uh, yeah, I mean, there were parts of it that I laughed at, but whenever I was laughing, I kept waiting on them to go to build up on it. And yeah. it just never happened. This was a curiously subdued comedy for coming from Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, and Eaton Cohen. And this is not one of the Cohen brothers, Eaton Cohen's. Yes. Uh, what else has Eaton Cohen done? He co-wrote Tropic Thunder. Oh, mercy. One he, of the greatest comedic movies of all time. He was a writer on King of the Hill. Oh, Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, I got propane in my urethra. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, actually a story on Eaton Cohen. So he co-wrote the Garfield movies. And oh. a- apparently the story goes, whether it's true or not, that Bill Murray agreed to voice Garfield because he thought Eaton Cohen was Ethan Cohen of the Cohen brothers. Hysterical. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that has worked in his favor then. Y- yeah. Anyway, so yeah, this is a curiously subdued comedy. Um, it felt like they were afraid to be as zany as they could be. You know, had they just gone, like, uh, honestly, had they gone even more immature, I would have thought that, and I don't usually like, like, immature humor and things like that, but mm-hmm. I would have thought that this would have been funnier. Like, again, to use Step Brothers, the last one that the two of them paired up on. Oh my god, and that was so juvenile. Yeah, but like, there's, the scene starts off with, the scene starts off with them arguing while they're watching cops and leads to Will Ferrell <laughs> pulling his balls out of his pants and wiping them on a drum set and then ends with them in the front yard beating each other with Will Ferrell screaming rape. Yes. And it's... it's. I want to watch that movie right now. <laughs> but like, like, that's what I'm saying is that like it could have it gone in so many just crazy directions. There were a couple places in here where I kept waiting on it too, but it kept feeling like they were trying to 
pull it back the whole time. And then they had like weird random humor that like I, I realize random humor is supposed to be random, but like we'll get in the spoiler territory. But the big like set piece at the end, it was just weird that they did that. Yeah, and, and see, I don't know if that was during my nap or not. I will say, no, is, you, you saw this part. Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah. I don't. We'll avoid spoilers. We're back to a traditional episode. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the early two thousands, so you don't know what happens. Um, I will say that I do think it is inherently a problem with the script. Yeah, there was, may I say it, no story, and they broke the number one rule of improv. What's that? They said no to things. That's true. They said no. There was no yes and. And one of the problems, this isn't within the first five minutes, so this is not a spoiler. Sherlock Holmes goes into the courtroom and he's basically like, this is not Moriarty, it's an imposter. Mm-hmm. So that's not a spoiler. That's within the first like five minutes of the movie. Immediate problem. Mm-hmm. Because it looked like Ray Fiennes. It wasn't somebody who was like, who had an eye patch on? Like, if it, they'd even done the Austin Powers thing of like having it, like having it be like in Austin Powers, it's the woman in the cocktail server, and then next time he goes over, it's obviously a man in a dress. Correct. Yeah. And they they didn't play any of those hands, and so what it immediately set up for me as an audience member, as it does in improv. So in improv, when someone says no to you, you immediately feel like you can't trust your partner because they're gonna say no to your yes and right because it's all about building. That's what makes comedy so funny exactly what you said is it builds Mm -hmm. right and you build and then boom punchline yeah and then once you get to the top of that ladder you keep going yeah and this movie just didn't do that and it was a problem inherently to me with they immediately told me as an audience member no and then didn't make it funny so I immediately stopped trusting the movie because I just thought oh they're grade A idiots yeah and just because they're grade A idiot doesn't make it funny Mm -hmm. and it just kind of it just immediately flattened out and I kept trying to laugh and then I took a mini nap and then the end of the movie came and yeah (sighs) yeah I mean it's hard for me to think of what to say for this movie, too, just because this is almost like a capsule review of me, is just that it had potential, but it didn't try hard enough. Mm-hmm. Now, going into this, too, because like I didn't really see anything on there, except for really the poster and the concept of the movie, and then I was like, oh yeah, I could see that. I saw no trailer. I just yeah. saw John C. Riley, Will Ferrell, and it said, homies, Yeah. and I thought, that's hysterical I saw it the first time when Sam and I went to go see A Star is Born uh-huh. hysterical well and that's the thing is like on the poster they also make it look like almost like it's going to be anachronistic like where everybody else is like prim and proper Victoria in England uh, but then like you know Holmes and Watson are almost like fish out of water right and they, that's not what it is and, at all and basically what they did is they took what Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson are, and they just tried to adapt that into a comedy instead of taking comedy and adapting that into Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, well, and I'm okay. So the premise is, like, Holmes is actually not talented. Mm -hmm. He's not who he is. And to me, he didn't fail hard enough. Yeah. And, and then on the flip side, Watson didn't succeed enough or they didn't fail so hard together that they happened to succeed. Right. It 
was it, it was wishy-washy in that choice. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't buy it. Because like the inspector is actually very good at his job. Right. But then they just, they still played it off. The other thing that I, so at this point, we're very accustomed to Sherlock Holmes. Right. In our youthful lifetime, we've got the Robert Downey Jr. version, and we've got the TV version with De- Benedict Cumberbund. And right? then, yeah. Cumberbatch, and Cumberbatch, I know, everybody, yeah. I know. And then there's also the American version that has... Elementary. Yeah. With Lucy Liu. Uh-huh. And then I think there was another, there's some other Sherlock Holmes adaptation of some sort within the last 10 years. Yes. So all of those in mind, those are really creative takes on it. Uh-huh. And it's all it's all based on the premise that Holmes is very smart and very talented at what he does. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't take that stance, but then it doesn't go hard enough there. And then what we're also accustomed to with all of them is really crazy like physical acts. Mm-hmm. And that's not there and I felt like the stunts were wildly underused. Yeah. I mean, just wildly. And whenever I think of one, this team of storytellers and then a Sherlock Holmes, I expect stunts yeah. and I expect physical comedy. Well, especially at this day and age, whenever, you know, we now have people who have grown up knowing Robert Downey Jr. or Sherlock Holmes more than the uh, Basil Rathbone, old school Sherlock Holmes. Oh, I haven't seen the Basil Rathbone since I was in probably elementary school. Yeah. And like, you know, pe- people who are younger than us, like people who have been born since, you know, since the mid 2000s, that's their Sherlock Holmes. And mm-hmm. it's a very, you know. And Benedict Cumberbatch, for those of us our age, mm-hmm. I love the TV show. And and it it works because I don't I don't know I thought that this movie could have been like a really good like Austin Powers style movie. Oh, I wish it had gone there. Because yeah, like Austin Powers is obviously very good at what he does, but he keeps just like failing upwards. But he's yeah he just he just happens and then every once in a while looks cool while doing it. Yeah, and I just would have loved like he def- if. If Holmes had like defeated a whole bunch of bad guys by accidentally stepping on a detonator that he wasn't like things like that, mm-hmm. um, and then Watson like shows up at the end, just I don't know. And we're I mean we're not here writing it, and that this isn't an easy movie movie to write, but I just felt like it just was wishy washy in its choices. I just don't really understand why was this movie made right now, you know like. Like again, you stumped me. I actually like went to answer it, and I literally deflated like a little balloon, or okay. like the the balloon that Madison popped and put glitter all over our house. Yes, no, like we we have the Robert Downey Jr. ones. Mm-hmm. We have Sherlock, the BBC ones. Mm-hmm. We have Elementary. We have if there's N- a- NBC, yeah. Uh, it, it's one, it's one of them on the televisions. Yeah, and I have seen bits and pieces of the elementary one, and it's still on, to mm-hmm. my knowledge. I think I think it's about to go into its last season. Okay, but that's uh, that's a lot of seasons. Oh, the other Sherlock Holmes we had recently was the Ian McKellen one, where he plays the old Sherlock Holmes. It's called Mister Holmes. I didn't see that. I didn't see it either, but that was only a few years ago. Oh, but Ian McKellen, so probably very like. Very sleuthy. Yeah, very classic. Oh, Sherlock what if Holmes. this had been like Mr. Bean? Yeah. 
Or like a Pink Panther. I think Pink Panther especially. Oh. I think right now what we're saying is, what if this were just a different movie? How awesome would that have been? Oh, touche. Yeah. See, or my one and a half looking better. And, it, and <laughs> it's it's just, I wish I had more to say. Um, for it, it just, I, I really expected more. And heck, this was written by Eaton Cohen. Yeah. And if you, if you co-wrote Tropic Thunder... I mean, I mean, we all joked that Robert Downey Jr. might be up for an Oscar for Tropic Thunder, and it was... He was. For Tropic Thunder? Yeah. Okay, everyone. That movie was up for an Academy Award. That guy wrote this movie, mm-hmm. and it's... Are, why, why was this movie made now? Well, apparently it was... I haven't seen it, but apparently it was based off of a sketch Will Ferrell did on Saturday Night Live. And I love him on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, but like this... An old, like when he was on cast? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think so. Like, all, that's all the IMDb trivia did. I tried to IMDb this, by the way, and there's nothing interesting. It's always like, this person also started with this person. This person also started with this person. And you're like, shocking. Yeah. My favorite piece of IMDb trivia I ever saw is I once looked up uh, when it, the Bruce Willis remake of Death Wish... Oh. And it had something to do with like, you know, like this person started in a comic book movie. This person also started in a comic book movie. Bruce Willis once ate a comic book. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, yep, this is IMDb right here. You're like, wow. Um, we're oh, about to get a dog of the podcast. dog of the podcast. It is Charlie. Charlie. Hey, hey buddies. Um, yeah, this movie felt to me like a bad Saturday Night Live movie. Well, it felt like a sketch that went too long. Yeah. But it could have been... Because not every SNL sketch, even in my favorite SNL episodes, mm-hmm. not every... Oh, I've got to bear. Sorry, I got distracted. Mm-hmm. Not every SNL sketch is a home run. Um, and like the late, great Don Elko said, not everything's a home run. Yeah. And that's okay. But they made a whole movie out of it. I'd love to see that sketch. Right. Um, yeah, I just... There's just so many things about this movie. I don't understand why it was made. And like, to be honest, I went in with pretty low expectations, and it still didn't meet that. Like, I just wanted. Oh, you to, did? Yeah, I just wanted to go and like be stupidly entertained. You know, I wasn't expecting it to be a good movie. I was expecting to give this like three stars in spite of itself. Um, and and I was still disappointed in it just because it didn't even deliver on the stupid humor. Um, I think we need to think about taking a break right now, so that way we can actually talk about some more, like, not necessarily spoilery, spoilery stuff, but, like, plot-based stuff. All right, so we'll take a break. If you're on your way to the movie, don't get disheartened, because there is plenty of, there's potty humor. You guys may find it funnier than we did. Yeah, and I, you know, maybe, too, if you're in the room with maybe some teenagers, we had a generally, like... We, yeah, it was mostly adults in there. Yeah, we had some teenagers, but they were with their adult families. Okay, so people so, our age, we, we when we were like you know sophomores through seniors in high school, that was like whenever Will Ferrell re- really started having his heyday. Mm-hmm. You know, Anchorman, uh, Talladega Nights, uh, Zoolander, and so like you oh, know, Zoolander. yeah, and everything was like a Will Ferrell movie, and like that's all the quotes that we would that we would do and things like that, thinking that we were being really funny, real, and then we get older and we're like, oh, we were just quoting Will Ferrell, weren't we? Yes. Um. So, 
I think maybe maybe if we had seen this in an <coughs> audience of people in that similar age group, where Will Ferrell can really like hit a sweet hit a funny bone for that, hit a sweet spot. But also, I mean, at the end of the day, too, I also just don't think that this was a great Will Ferrell movie. That's fair. Well, let's take a break. Let's reconvene. If you're on your way to the movie, have a fun time because it, it is a dumb fun movie and you're not going to use very many brain cells. Yeah. So that's kind of fun. And uh, we'll hear you on your way back from the movie or if you've already seen it or you're just like listening to our silly conversations, we'll see you right after this. looked at all those insta celebrities and been like where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because i need one but then you think to yourself i don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish what if i could tell you you could get awesome apparel awesome jewelry and it gives back you need to check out rocks jewelry shop that's right rocks r-o-x Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And we are back with... And... Oh. Oh. Oh, man. Man, I was even trying to take initiative on this one, I too. I saw it, and I saw the rocket ship, and I, I ruined it. Maybe I should just stop trying? Is that what we're learning here? Well, today we're learning that you can also make a movie that's wishy-washy and frangipani, and it is called Holmes and Watson. Yes. So, here's one thing that I had, what I think contributed to this movie feeling listless, and had like just a lack of energy. Is listless the right word for that? It feels like the right word. Yeah. Uh, um, um, yeah. So I don't know if you noticed this as much as I did. Did you notice the insane amount of ADR in this movie? Holy crap. Yes. And it was, it looked like it was shot on studio. Yeah. So that's the weird thing. So ADR for, I, we've probably talked about this plenty of times, but it's basically. But in case you're new. Yeah. It's basically whenever the actors have to go into a recording studio afterwards and then overdub their lines over what was already filmed. So like they're trying to basically match their mouth movements. And, and it's very difficult. Yeah. Now, like it's something that. That I think I personally think anybody can learn, but like oh yeah, but and there's but there's some people who can just go in there and like they're wizards because they can just immediately get it right and it's like yeah we're uh, we're good yeah and I I'm hit and miss mm-hmm. but you really have to get back into the moment of where you were yeah um, and especially if it's really word heavy which this movie wasn't mm-hmm. but I don't know well so here's the thing you actually just kind of touched on the point that I was trying to make. You have to get back into your mindset with ADR. And what you have to remember is that by the time a movie gets to ADR, uh, it's been probably a few months since you actually shot it. It can be. So, especially on a movie that's like comedic and, you know, comedy is all about pacing and timing. Um, If you are not, if you are not immediately back in that headspace, it sounds like you're just reciting lines. And that was the thing about this movie. A lot of it just sounded like people reciting lines. And I think it's because of the amount of ADR. I don't know if maybe there were crickets in the studio or something like that. Well, you you know, it's, it's starting to feel like a trend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know on location sound, it sucks. Like, it sucks to have but to this, be the guy holding this the boom. Wasn't, but... This wasn't on location. This was definitely a soundstage. 
These were sets. I just, I just don't get why necessarily. Again, if there we were, weren't there, we are not part of the crew, so we're definitely not. Yeah. Placing blame All, anywhere. Yeah, because we can't talk about which we do need to make a sound retractment, by the way, from the Predator. Uh, I know. So it, it was from a theater, you guys, not the Predator. Yeah. So, so I, our apologies. Yeah. So if you remember us talking about the Predator. I talked about how like they didn't have um, they didn't have like it would go the sound would go to absolute zero and there wasn't room tone in there. Um, whenever we went and saw Halloween, it was doing the same thing. We were in that same theater, so whenever I went and saw Halloween the second time, it didn't do it anymore. So obviously there was something wrong with the sound in in the theater when we saw the Predator. So I do have to make a retraction on there. So that was my oh yeah yeah from earlier my um, but. Regardless of the reasons why they did ADR, again, maybe they had crickets in the studio or something like that. I know in Deep Blue Sea with the Samuel L. Jackson, uh, they had crickets in the studio and they couldn't find them. So, uh, mo- like ninety percent of that movie is ADR. Yeah, and and things happen, and we're not over here, but it does. Yeah, it can. It's supposed in an ideal world, you ADR something so that way uh, you can like touch up, basically. Right. It's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like sometimes like whenever you're painting objects like black especially and then like there's just like one little nick in there and you just kind of have to brush over it with a sharpie. Uh, you're supposed to do that to touch it up. You're not supposed to sh- color the whole thing with a sharpie. Right. Uh, and that's the, I think that's the best kind of uh, kind of example I can give or allegory I can give with ADR is that in this movie it felt like they were coloring too much with a sharpie and it kind of felt the pa- like the pacing was off too but at the same time I think the editing was also a little slow in this movie too yeah and they had a couple of speed ramps mm-hmm. which I thought was a little weird and then like one speed ramp they uh, one speed ramp they they stopped ramping it in the middle of the scene and like it, like it was the two of them. One one joke that I like in this movie is how they're always like, you know, I'm a picture of health. Where is my opium? And yeah. yes, I do. Th- I didn't think that was funny. And then like you know, like oh, they're outside, like you know, using medicine balls and stuff like that. And like, oh, I really need some cocaine. Oh, did you bring a vial? And so they take cocaine and they're uh, like going crazy. And then that's where they like speed everything up. But in the middle of that, they also slow it back down again. And not only is the camera on them, and you can kind of tell it, but there are people walking in the background, and they're walking really fast, and all of a sudden they're walking slow again. Well, so, sometimes that's used for like showing that you're like lost your mind, maybe. But they didn't do that for this one. Um, you're giving them too much credit. Oh, I know, I know. Um, yeah, it was funny, and like when they meet the American doctor, it, that was fun because they're like, "Oh, do you need a prescription for heroin?" Yeah. So I thought that was funny. Um, the 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 scene where they were uh, where they were cleaning the corpse doing off, the autopsy. Yeah that that was that was funny because they basically played Unchained Melody in the background and kind of did like a ghost thing while they were like cleaning like cake off. To of me, the corpse. funniest part was her getting the icing out of the belly button. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really funny, but I wished that like they had made out over his dead body. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they cut away before you hit the punchline. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, gross. And I waited for it to get funny. So, there are... There's really only one place in here where I'm like, oh, that was really funny. Okay. Um, you know, I thought, I thought it was... I thought them chasing the mosquito in the beginning was... That was, that was pretty okay. Yeah, it was funny. Um, but the bees, but then there was bees... Then all of a sudden there was all these bees. I kept wanting the, the killer bees to come back. 
And the yeah, and the killer bees never came back. And then, but they just went away, and they didn't, and they didn't walk into the courtroom with covered in welts. Yeah. And I um, thought that would have been really funny, or like, because also, because Holm or Watson goes in there. I don't know. Why I keep messing them up. While Watson goes in and starts like pew pew, yeah, he's shooting. That, well, that's the one I was going to oh, talk about. Oh, was it? Well, can you imagine if his bottom lip was fat? Yeah, exactly. Uh, basically, he they're they're rehearsing their timing to go into the courtroom for dramatic effect. And you think that it's just going to be Holmes bursting in there being like, not so fast. Like, I object. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of doing that, Watson comes in there and he's like, you know, shooting guns all throughout the courtroom. And he actually funny. hits a few people. <laughs> and then Holmes comes in there and basically says, not so fast. And just w- casually walks up. Um, and then after he does that, Watson's up there like, oh, you need more? And he like starts unloading his gun and well, trying to reload it. Well, that was another funny trope throughout the movie. <laughs> Anytime, like... Uh, uh, Holmes like said something. Watson would pull something out to try to kill yeah. somebody or hit them. Yeah, he he was constantly pulling his gun on people and, and his sword. Yeah, and that was funny. And like and like he would always like withdrawing his sword. He'd always get like halfway through and then stop, like yeah. catch himself. Like that was funny. Um, the scene with Queen Victoria, I thought was it, if they would have gone, if they would have just filmed that with a little more energy, I think it would have been funny. So like maybe, but she wasn't. She was so. Monotone. Well, and that's, and that's fine, but it wasn't monotone. Like she, well, to me, she was so nothing, instead of way high regal. Yeah. So basically, in that scene, there she was getting them to excuse me, just bump the mic stand. Uh, she's getting them to help with the case, and then they ask to take a selfie. Uh, and then they pull out this big camera and they're gonna on, on like a big selfie stick and then they knock her out and they think she's dead. So so like you know the royal guards out there and then they're literally doing like the Queen Victoria voice and then as she's unconscious they open up the door and are literally moving her mouth with their hands and like okay that's comedy of errors kind of funny you know and then they're trying to figure out what to do they're gonna flush her down the toilet but you know you can't flush a person down the toilet so they try and shove her in a uh, in a steamer trunk and. It it ends up kind of looking like they're having sex with her unconscious body. Uh, and then eventually they decide that they're going to take the bone saw and cut her into toilet-sized pieces to flush down the toilet and say, like, she was never here. And then the royal guard comes in and she wakes up. And, like, that scene, like, had a lot of potential, but it wasn't just funny, you know? Right. The other... So what I mentioned earlier about the last set piece just being weird, the end of this movie takes place on the Titanic. Right. Which is... It's weird and a distracting anachronism because Queen Victoria was what, 1880s, something like that? Yes. Um, Titanic didn't launch till 1912. So it was weird that those two things were on there. And then they kept making a joke about, like, you know, goodbye, ladies, please, you know, write to us when you get to America, you know, enjoy your ride on the Titanic. And it's like, that's just a weird joke to make, you know? Well, it was, it was, a, it was a weird joke to make. And, um, also, there's a Moriarty at the end of the movie is reading a paper, and mm-hmm. it says, uh, Lady Doctor saved 700 people. Yeah. And it was like, oh, cool. Okay, so they didn't die. And it just was like, oh, well, their girlfriends are, are going to die. Yeah, and then like for whatever reason, there's Billy Zane about to get on the Titanic. and That they, was funny. Yeah, they call him Billy Zane, too. And I think that's funny. Yeah. But this movie wasn't zany enough yeah uh, and, and again oh it's, you didn't laugh at the pun I, I rolled my eyes does that count oh I didn't see the roll of the eyes. yeah it was just not just wasn't crazy enough and I think it, just like if the movie were crazier 
I could get away with having the whole punchline of the movie ending on the Titanic. Uh, I hate to do it. I'm going to bring up 9-11 again. What? So, yeah. I didn't, How? I didn't even bring up 9-11 during the Dick Cheney movie. I did. Yeah. Um, no, so like, there's this, I remember there was this romantic drama movie in the early 2010s. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember it had Robert Pattinson, and I think it had one the Australian girl from Lost. Um, but Evangeline like, Lilly? No, no. Uh, oh, Blondie. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know. But for, a second, for a second, I was like, Twilight? No. <laughs> but like, this movie is like a romantic drama about like the two of them being together and him, like, you know, being like, well, I'm going to tell my father I don't want to join his business or something like that. And then, like, the crux of the movie, he's like waiting in his office to talk to his father and it zooms out and he's in the Twin Towers on 9 11. Is that how the movie ends? N- no, but that's like, oh. that's like, and the, there's like 10 minutes left in the movie after that. So, so like, like the movie just surprise, surprise terrorists attacked you, and so this, like, this is almost what the having it on the Titanic randomly felt like, like especially because the movie didn't take place in 1912, right? So it's like you only put it in there to disaster surprise you. Well, and it wasn't. I, I don't know. It, if, but if the movie was funnier, if this were a movie like Airplane. Where, like, yeah. it just leaned into what it was so hard that you can get away with, like, you can get away with the stupidest and most offensive stuff. I'm totally down with that. But this movie didn't do that. No. And also, I was really disappointed, okay, to if, to any one of our filmmaker friends that's listening to this, or a filmmaker in general... For the love of all that's good, even in your period piece, maybe find room for more women. There were two, three women in this whole cast. Mm-hmm. Three. And I know it is Sherlock Holmes, and and I get that, but you know, you had one that had the IQ of a six-year-old, but then she ended up not, and she ended up being a scientist, seeing how far she could drive the male ego, and that was confusing. And then you've got this doctor... Who's, you know, she's a pioneer in electroshock therapy, but they just talk about it and they don't like show it, right? The whole point of a movie is that you're showing things. And then, then you had their um, housekeeper who turns out to be Moriarty's daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And she wasn't wild enough. Like, yeah. And it, you know, and in Sherlock Holmes, it's very known that they, you, you go back and you see how they did everything and just the crimes that she committed, it was the box, the poison in the tattoo, and the bomb. And it was like, I, I don't know, and this is going to sound terrible, but the body count wasn't that high. Yeah. And it just didn't feel, it just, and I feel like the Robert Downey Jr.'s um, disguises that he takes mm-hmm. are funnier then, even though he just put the mustache on, well, I thought like, that was a kind of a funny. It scene was, them. but like Robert Downey Jr. at the end of Sherlock Holmes when he's dressed like the couch. Yeah, I vocally laugh out loud. Right, like I I laugh. In in this movie though, so like basically what happens is they're gonna go, they're going to the slums, and he's gonna disguise himself. And then he just puts on the mustache, and Watson pulls his gun on him, and that's just like a funny gag. But well, it's funny because that's also including like Watson always pulling out some sort of weapon to kill yeah. someone. Um, 
But also, too, in this, it was extremely unclear if Watson... Because Watson is military and a doctor. And it is not clear at all in this. Yeah. And, like, again, we should... In most cases, we shouldn't be talking about the lack of character development in a Will Ferrell comedy like this. But the potential was there. And if you're not going to be as zany off the wall as you could be, then you have to make up for it in other ways. Well, but that's the thing in comedy is you actually have to have extremely strong characters Mm -hmm. to make this funny. You can't pick a character up, drop it, pick it up, drop it, pick it up, drop it. That's not funny. And then you can't... If you have a middle-of-the-road character, it's not that funny. Why do you think the crux of any... Of like anytime Kristen Wiig, for ex- like, there's this Kristen Wiig sketch in SNL where she loves surprise parties. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everyone else is normal, mm-hmm. but she like can't contain herself about surprise parties, so much so that she jumps through a window two and a half times. So, oh, um, so that is, you know, what, a five-minute sketch, not even. Yeah. And she's so excited about surprise parties that she jumps out windows. This movie didn't do that. Yeah. This movie didn't do that at all. And that's the thing about comedy is you've got to take a really strong stance with the character. And I really liked the, the lady doctor. I thought she mm-hmm. was, and, uh, well, I thought re- she was fun, but she was like... Blah. Yeah, I mean, Rebecca Hall is usually really good in everything she does, too. Everybody um, in this movie is usually really good in what they do, and Lauren Lapkus is in a lot of the um, I, I drunk really history. Liked, I, I really liked her in Jurassic World uh, when she was she was in the uh, she was in like the control center, and whenever <gasps> yes. she was about to leave, and then the guy the guy goes up and kisses her, and she's just like, "I have a boyfriend." Oh, I just thought because you know you and I are always just like, "Yeah, I'm just you know being friendly at work," you know. <laughs> Um, so you've got some people that I, that are usually very good. And you have people also like the two main leads, like, you know, John C. Riley is an Oscar nominated person. Right. You know, Will Ferrell has shown that he actually can act like, especially in Stranger Than Fiction. Um, oh, one of, oh, I love that movie. Yeah. But Will Ferrell's also usually really good at doing like pathos, you know, like. Right. And, and I mean, he's freaking Buddy the Elf. Yeah. Um, and which we just raved on how you really have to come from a place of truth and yeah and this uh, you have to have a really deep sense of who this person is to be cray cray about it. Um, so I'm just pulled out. I tried to IMDb and stuff like this that on here, and there's just not much to say. And uh, I just went on Wikipedia to see if they had anything, even mm-hmm. if it was like Will Ferrell ate a comic book once, you know. Mm. Um, Did he? Not not according to Wikipedia. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's very, you know. Yeah. Um, but so far, this has a Rotten Tomatoes rating. What do you think its Rotten Tomatoes rating is? What's the highest for Rotten Tomatoes? 10? It, it's 0 to 100. Oh, 54. 0. <gasps> yeah. What? It's only, what? It's only based on eight reviews right now. Because it just what? came out today. What? Um. It has a weighted average of 2.2 out of 10. Ooh. Uh, let's see. This has this is a review from uh, Graham Tuckett from stuff.co.nz, so New Obviously, Zealand. Obviously, a yeah. really big tucker. Uh, eh. um, he gave the film two stars, saying that it has a handful of moments of genuine comic lunacy, but all they really do is highlight the laziness and lack of laughs in the rest of the film, and I think he hits that on the head. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I want to talk about because this is a really in- this is really interesting music. So, um, yeah. Originally, that the- was it was Alan Menken, yeah. No, who was it? Uh, I ori- recognize the name. Yeah, originally this was going to be uh, this was going to be done by Christoph Beck, who he did the score for Frozen, for Ant Man, uh. uh, the Hangover movies. Like he does a lot of like actually really good stuff. Um, I, oh, he also did the Christmas Chronicles. Oh, which okay. I really like the music for that. Yeah. Um, they apparently rejected his score for whatever reason. I guess oh. they, they had a bunch of high art to think about or something. Oh, obviously. Um, and they replace him with Mark Mothersbaugh, who, if you you probably would recognize his name if you think about it. First of all, he was the keyboard player for Devo. Sure. He uh, he wrote the music for Rugrats when we were growing up. Uh, oh, he was in the score. He was in that. The guy yeah. who wrote the Rugrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He uh, was in that. He also has done a lot of movies recently. Um, he did Thor Ragnarok, which I really like the music for that. Why? Uh we're not going to start it. Um, you're impossible. <laughs> um, but like Mark Mothersbaugh is a mu- is a musician and a composer who I actually really like. Cool. Um, I thought it was weird that for the most part his musical direction seemed to be uh, write write a copy of the Hans Zimmer Sherlock Holmes stuff. Yeah. Because um, a lot Is, of did Hans Zimmer do the Robert Downey Jr.'s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which those are great, great scores. Oh, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, but like here they were basically doing that theme, but just slightly off. And mm-hmm. what that made it seem like was your was like a YouTube short film that somebody just threw up there, right? And they took they took off. Like I thought it was funny when they started doing the calculating thing, uh-huh. uh, because I that's such a fun trope in the Robert Downey Jr. ones and the Jude Law ones. Yeah. And I really like that. So when they did it, but they put no spin on it until uh, Watson couldn't figure it out. And I, that was funny. Yeah. But they used it, but they didn't heighten it for comedic purposes. Right. Um, and uh, and I, whenever he did it, when he was in the fight in the ring... Uh-huh. And he threw the pipe and it didn't work. Yeah. I did see that coming from 10 miles away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just really, I wanted them to throw Will Ferrell, like throw Will Ferrell more. There's mm. just the physical comedy in this is, I think, maybe what I'm most disappointed about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wish that, like, if you're going to get Mark Mothersbaugh on something, like, the whole reason they brought him in on Thor, on Ragnarok, because the first two Thor movies had, like, really serious scores. I love the first um, two Thor movies. I like the first one. I do, I I do not like the second one. That's fine. I love, uh, I love the first Thor movie. Well, and in the first Thor movie... Uh, it feels like a piece of classical theater, right. in a way. And they had... Uh, because it was a Kenneth Branagh movie. Totally. And, and uh, his composer of choice is Patrick Doyle, who I really like Patrick Doyle. Yeah, and but I can um, understand Ragnarok wasn't Well, but that's the thing. That movie. They, they want, decided to bring Thor away from like the seriousness of it. Right. So, um, so, so they, bought, they brought Mark Mothersbaugh in there. It's, yeah. And, and the, his music for it, not only was it big and orchestral in places, but it was also like really quirky, synthy type, type of stuff. Totally. And it's like, if you're going to bring Mark Mothersbaugh into something, you're going to do it because he brings that 
he brings that. Well, you flavor hire the to composer it. for their sound. I mean, yeah. He oh, he also did Mark Mothersbaugh also did the Lego Movie. So oh, I also fell asleep in the Lego Movie. Right. We're not talking about. We're talking about music, right? I know, now. but I don't remember. That's what I'm trying to I know, say. I know. You pointed at me like as if I would remember, and I was like, but I also took a little like baby like. Right. But what I'm saying is that that's the type of stuff that he's really good at and being like, oh, we're just going to really lean into what this is. Did I'm gonna he do write that. the music for Every Day is Awesome or Everything is Awesome? I think he might have done part of it, I think. I can't Everything remember. Everything is awesome. But, but yeah, like it's to, have, to bring him on and have it be like, okay, well, we want you to really just like do the Hans Zimmer thing, but different enough. Like that, I, that's a direction that I get whenever I'm working on like, a student film or something where somebody's just trying to show that they can do something in that style. It's like, right. oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll rip this off. That's fine. But like, that's that's what you do. That's what you do whenever you're on like this insane time crunch and like, or you're in the nun. Yes. Well, I'll de- I'll defend the music on the nun a little more than you will, but I do not like it. Yeah. But I also don't have I don't have no memory of what I just saw in the music for this. All I remember is so they do the, like the newspaper headlines, like they do in the Robert Downey Jr. ones, uh, and in that it's literally boom, 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 ba da da. Like, oh my god, that's exactly exactly. So it's just so weird that like this movie seems like it was just slapped together, and yeah. I don't I don't know I can't imagine I don't know how long production actually took on this, but everything about it. Just felt like it was rushed it didn't feel together. Thought through. No, it, it very much didn't. Well, we're starting to talk in circles, my we, love. We are. Um, so, wow, would, this is shaping up to be like our shortest episode. I know. So, would you tell someone to go see this movie? Oh, loaded question. That is a loaded question because th- I'm. Sh- this movie might have an audience somewhere. I can't imagine who that audience is. Um, well, you, you asked a really good question early on was why was this made now? Yeah. And who was this made for? And I don't feel it was made for us. No, but I can't, I can't imagine who it was made for because it's not, it's It's not, not potty humor enough. Yeah. It's not crass enough to be made for like kids or young teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not stupid enough to be for like teenagers and like whenever I talk about stupid humor I'm talking about Anchorman which is not a stupid movie no it's not stupid but like but Brick is a lamp like he's like yeah I love lamp this movie doesn't have an I love lamp and he has like a I have a triton yeah Um, one of my favorite exchanges in Anchorman is whenever Brick is freaked out about the one he's like I hear their periods can attract bears and uh, <laughs> it's I think it's uh, David Ketchner he's like bears like he's just all on board with it what's the what's the perf- what's the perfume that Paul Rudd has Sex Panther Sex Panther yeah 60% of the time it works all the time it's so, or is it every time I, I, I don't, don't care it's need, funny I think we just need to rewatch that movie Milk was a bad choice but Baxter like, but like that's the thing Anchorman has so many of those moments in it that it's like it's so stupid yeah but it's so funny it's so uh, funny Austin Powers even the third Austin Powers movie is entertaining um I believe our one of our first our first Christmas in Los Angeles we watched every Austin Powers yeah yeah this movie I don't think has that rewatchability no. Um, so 
I guess if you're to ask me right now, no, I don't recommend seeing this movie. I think that there are... One thing I did want to say while we were talking about that is oh. that this just illustrates how good Adam McKay actually is. Because every Will Ferrell movie that we're talking about right now, Step Brothers, Talladega Nights, uh, Anchorman, Anchorman 2, those are all Adam McKay movies. Wow. So I th- think this is a very good companion piece to Vice. Um, but no, o- overall, I would not recommend this movie. There are so many other great funny movies especially starring Will Ferrell and John C. Riley, that you could watch instead of this yeah I would also not recommend it I would say wait for when it's on Stars or HBO and it just happens to be on and you might be like smoking something or you just don't want to think this might just watch it and see if you get through the first 15 minutes. But also, when as we're releasing this podcast, it's holiday movie season and it's um, going to be the new year of movies. So there's really a lot of really... This is a good time of year to see movies. Mm-hmm. And they'll stay on through January. Yeah. So if you're actively seeing movies right now, this is this is the time to do so. Or I would also recommend this is the time of year to catch up, kind of look at what's going to be awards, what kind of is, is percolating for awards. Yeah. Um, and start seeing those movies. And also it's um, what's not very widely known as Taurus season. Mm-hmm. So it's stunt awards. So, you know, movies that had great action. I mean, Aquaman's out right now. And, yeah. That, um, that's the thing. When you could go see a movie, like, I, we haven't seen Aquaman, but, like, apparently it's getting some pretty good reviews. It's making a lot of money. Apparently it's entertaining. If nothing else, Jason Momoa, what he's doing in the communities in these, um, not previews, but premieres. Yeah. I mean, that's really noteworthy. And to say that he, you know, that he's declaring it as a Polynesian film, Mm -hmm. that's like, wow. So, you know, I would say for this is a cast of white people. Now, don't get me wrong. Some really great white people. Like, I listen to Hugh Laurie's album often. Uh-huh. Um, oh, yeah. Hugh Laurie's in this movie. We didn't even talk about it. That should be an indicator of something. Th- that's pathetic because Hugh Laurie is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I-, I will say is there's some really good gems out right now. Um, or if you just need to go back through the year and go to your local movie subscription or VOD and uh, Redbox and kind of catch up, that's almost what I would recommend right now. Yeah. If you were going to go see a movie right now, whenever you have the option to see something like Aquaman or Vice or Mary Poppins or uh, Into the Spider-Verse is apparently great. Oh, man. And can, I worked with some of the a lot of the people who worked on Spider-Verse. Uh-huh. I'm so excited to see that, actually. Yeah. Surprise. But, I'm excited to see it. I know, right? But yeah, if oh, and apparently I think Mark Mothersbaugh is doing the music for that too. Oh, cool! But yeah, whenever you have all those options, if you just like if you decide to go see Holmes and Watson over all of those, there might be like, what is wrong with your life, and what can we do to fix it? No, that's not fair because people might want stupid humor in their life, and if you get to go on because AMC has Cheap Tuesdays, go see it. It doesn't hurt you, but there's a lot of really fun and exciting there things are, are right many now. better ways that you can spend your time and money than home and homes and watson yeah. that that's that's the stance that i'm going to take right now yeah and if you did like it please let us know yeah. like what did we miss yeah like go on so head to our facebook page and head to the uh, facebook page or the discussion board let please let us know because man i had a really good nap <laughs> yeah um anything we missed 
No, I th- I think you're right. We're starting to spiral a little bit, so yeah. let's go on ahead well, and cut it off. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I know this is a new week for you, but it's the same day for us, and we are very thrilled to spend our holiday season with you all. And with that being said, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And thanks so much. See you next time. We'll pick a better movie next time. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>